Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 164 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. My name is Scroobius Pip. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Another exciting one of this week, last week's episode. This week's episode is really interesting because it's with comedian Sophie Hagen, who's fantastic. And I should mention now, we did, I mentioned it in the podcast, but we did each other's podcasts in a row. So first I was a guest on Sophie's and then we recorded this where Sophie is a guest on mine. So if you enjoy this, um, then you can go and enjoy uh, more of this nonsense. But with the tables turned and flipped um, on Sophie's podcast, Made of Human. Uh, This is a really interesting one because there was a few things that came up in last week's podcast with the wonderful Laurie Penny that come up again here with Sophie, but Sophie has a different outlook on them. And I love this shit, man. Um, uh, I think all issues of... Or, or, I mean, just just many social issues, particularly in women's rights and in men's rights at the moment, and trans rights, it's it's ever-evolving. And I think the more these things are debated and you're open to being corrected on stuff, uh, the more fascinating it is. So, yeah, I've, I've, I really enjoyed these two as kind of a pair, uh, last week's and this week's. Um, anyway, I should also mention, before we get to the podcast, that uh, I'm doing a live podcast it's my first it's the only live distraction pieces podcast i'll be doing this whole year um previously i've done them in i've done three in london i think which have all all sold out i've done manchester which sold out glasgow and edinburgh were two of the biggest i've done and they were rammed so a long story short i've done a whole load but i never got to do do one in ireland so Whilst my plan this year was to be off from podcasts in general, from live podcasts, when the offer came in to do one at the Dublin Podcast Festival, um, I couldn't resist. So I'll be heading out there on the 21st of September. Grab your tickets. For those who don't know or haven't listened to previous live ones, I don't have guests on the live podcast because something... This podcast, as ramshackle as it sounds, there's, there's conscious effort and theory that goes into it. The reason I don't have a producer or anything is, and the reason I have, even the reason I have um, uh, uh, these heavy tabletop mic stands I carry around with me, all this kind of thing, it's because I want them to be relaxed and feel like a conversation rather than an interview or a performance. Um, and there's a lot of other little tricks and twists and trends I put in to try and and make them so and I hope it works I I think it works it seems to be I mean with three years deep now we're about to break 10 million downloads so I think it works but um I don't think that would translate on stage I think it'd be a completely different thing it would become a performance and I don't want this sounds harsh I don't want to waste any guests on that um I'd rather have my guests in an intimate and private situation so anyway long story short the way i did the first live one was and every everyone since because they've worked really well is to make are you guys the guest but not in a pass the microphone around the audience i get a queue f- formed at the, the side of the stage and you come up and you s- sit down with me and you can ask a question it can be a simple quick question or you can pick a, t- a topic or, s- or something you'd like to discuss and debate and we have a proper chat 
And that's how the live ones work. So if you're coming along to Dublin, if you've got your ticket already, then um, get preparing them questions because uh, it's, it's going to be a good one. So yeah, head in there. Go um, Tivoli, Tivoli uh, Theatre, I think, um, in Dublin. I should mention we brought you by speech... Oh, I've got a stutter. Speech development records.com. Um, if you heard the secret birthday special, which I didn't post about online anywhere, it was a little secret, secret, secret. If you heard that, then you will have found that the gift to you guys was free music. So there is now a free music section giving away a load of the back catalogue at speech records.com. But we've also got loads of good stuff for you to buy. We've still got swimwear. The sunglasses have sold out. But we've got swimwear and leggings and vests. We're all part of our dark summer range and hats. The the dark winter range is now in production. I've gone through all the designs. I've tweaked them. I've changed them. I've chosen the unusual items that we will be releasing. Um, I may just lose a ton of money on this, but fuck it. It's worth a... It's worth it for unusual merch. Um, so there's that. Speechfriendofirecords.com. What I also need to mention ahead of the release on August 31st is my trainer collaboration with OHW Shoes. Who, who Shoes? So it's Who Backwards. Um, yeah, we did. If you don't know, we did a release l- last year. I teamed up with them and designed a shoe. And it was going to be a limited run but it went better than we could have ever hoped because it sold out um, before release. We did a pre-order and they sold out in pre-order. So uh, we decided this time round, number one, the last time round, we didn't do any girls' sizes. So this time round, we're doing a shoe and a boot, a trainer and a and a boot in, uh, in a girls' design and in a guy's design. And... I mean, it's 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 prevalent as we've had um, a f- feminist writer uh, Laurie Penny on last week and, S- and Sophie Hagen this week. We talk a lot about um, some f- feminism, some kind of just uh, yeah, social constructs and restrictions. Um, but when doing the the women's design, essentially, I wanted the women's design to m- to mimic the previous man's design. Almost exactly. I've changed the fabric, but I've changed the fabric on the guys' ones too. But um, I wanted them to be dark and 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 not go. Oh, it's the women's version. Here's some white ones or some pink ones or add some gold or anything like this. So we've done that with uh, uh, the girls' design because when we released the last one, the men's design, there were, were loads of women who said, "I want those trainers." They didn't say, I'd like a version that's a bit more feminine. So we just, yeah. Anyway, the, they come out on August 31st. I'm very excited about it. Um, I'm not sure when the pre-order will be going up, but on my social media, at Scribius Pipio, um, I'm teasing images in the build-up. I'm trying so hard to hold off, but I've got some really cool images of these things. So, uh, yeah, I'm trying to resist on that for the moment. Anything else I need to tell you? Oh, the Fringe is on still. Go and see... Sage Francis and B. Dolan, Tricknology at the Fringe. I recommend that. As I record this, I'm recording this earlier. So as you're listening, I'm recording this early last week because I'm heading up to the Fringe at the end of the week to catch Sage and Dolan and Rob Alton's hair show, 
which is it, it, it looks amazing. So uh, yeah, I recommend you check them out. While I'm up there, I'm going to try and catch Sophie Hagen's show, who is today's guest. So without further ado, get stuck in um, to episode 164 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with Sophie Hagen. I'll do yeah, it. I mean, sure. I'll do it That's just good. I mean, it's good it to have the cover. Working. I, I like it. It looks like it's working. It looks like it's working. Um, I, I once did, um, I had this same recorder um, and I did, I programmed the spoken word at, at, at Bestival and Camp Bestival. And I was like, for my radio show, I was like, I'm going to interview tons of the spoken word artists backstage. And I had previously been using it a few nights before in the way that you're using it now mm, with two with mics two, plugged yeah. into the bottom oh yeah out on in the field i didn't have them but i'd left it on that that oh, setting yeah so i recorded hours of interviews got home there wasn't a thing on there <sighs> because i didn't have mics plugged in it wasn't i was thinking it's, it's, it's using the mics at the top of the recorder yeah, yeah, yeah. i didn't have a thing okay. so i got home and i was like how am i going to explain this to all the all the poets that i chatted to for ages backstage and Oh, I, I feel like it's like every kind of broadcaster type person's worst nightmare. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely... I mean, the, the one thing that made it slightly better was I was recording it for my XFM show and the guy I produced that sh- that, sh- that sh- show with, Dan Rido, a week or so before, he had done the same, except it was with someone like Mumford & Sons. It was some oh. huge band and he just hadn't recorded it. And it was oh. like... Well, he's not gonna. He can't judge me for not recording a few of my spoken word mates. <laughs> um, I should introduce. I'm joined um, downstairs at the Phoenix Art Club by Sophie Hagen. How are you? I'm good. Um, I'm good. I've, I'm going to step down. I feel a bit. It's it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I've we've just. I, I did this with Adam Buxton. I've just been a guest on your podcast yeah. for an hour, and now you're becoming a guest on my podcast for yeah. an hour. And it's weird because. Both of our, st- our styles, because the, the thought now is, right, I'm in control, so I have to s- step up and take the lead. But b- kind of both of our podcasts involve us as hosts sitting back slightly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's that weird one of, I have to now take the lead, but you probably have to talk more now, because yeah. I was just talking a, a loads, because <laughs> yeah. I was the guest, and... Yeah, it's a weird, it's, it's a weird really mix strange. and crossover. Yeah, I'm trying to let go. I'm very bad with control in general, so now I just have to go. No, you're not in charge anymore. Stop. It's fine. You can relax <laughs> and enjoy yourself. Um, I mean, let's 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 start with talking about a podcasting. I mean, mm. are you have been doing it longer than me? I think. I think you started in 2013. Were you doing your first? Oh, it must your first ones. Yeah, I'm trying to because I remember. I lived in a house in Stratham Common. That won't help anyone with the year, apart from me. Yeah. Yes, it must have been. So everyone's going to be like, oh, 2013. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when you lived there. Because do, do you not do that when you think back of things? You go, oh, I was relations. on the bus around Leicester Square. Yeah, yeah that's the, that's I know the date. when that was. <laughs> yeah, it must have been 13, if not 12. And what kind of drew you to, to podcasting? Because particularly at that point, it was a, 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 a very new medium. 
Do you, I remember the first time I heard a podcast because I didn't know how to listen to it. It was yeah. a Danish podcast, one, probably one of the first podcasts in Denmark, and it was a, a comedy podcast. And uh, I remember the first episode came out, and me and my friend got together. We sat by the dining room table. We put it on the laptop, and we just sat and listened. Amazing. We were like, "This is a, an odd way of yeah <laughs> of consuming content." But uh, I just I remember being in a car on my way home from a gig. I don't remember why. I, th I think I just had the idea for my first podcast, which was called uh, "Comedians Telling Stuff." Yeah, which. And that was a website I bought before anyone told me about the grammatical error in that <laughs> title. It's my second language, by the way. Yes, of course. And I think what what attracted me to that is the same thing that attracted me to comedy and basically everything else I've ever done in my life, which is I can do all of it myself. Yeah. I have full control of it. I can just, I can decide. It can be a minute long it can be three hours long and no one can stop me <laughs> it's, 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 it's the beauty of it it's what excites me so much about about all media going forward mm. there's the potential for it where even TV is going over to Netflix and Amazon and stuff like that there's things like um, the OC which came out was it the OC no the OA um, which, which was on Netflix and I was watching that series and the first Three or four episodes are all like an hour, hour and five, hour and ten, fifty minutes. And then there was an episode that was just t t 20 minutes long. Oh, and that excited me hugely. And it's it's not so like as a series, it was my favourite series of the year, but that made me go, wow, you can yeah. just do that. You can just make it what it has to, like if you're living in the, in the, in the digital realm rather than on TV with specific yeah, slots yeah, yeah, and... Yeah, yeah. Things like, it's like there's an amazing. You can do what you want. Have you heard of the Norwegian uh, teenage <laughs> TV show called Scam? No, which means shame. Right. It is incredible, yeah. and I, I, you can get it with the English subtitles. Yeah. I mean, illegally, but still, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on the internet, it is. Inc it's incredible. It's four seasons in. I think it's over now, but four seasons. Every episode is somewhere between I think ten and forty minutes. Amazing. Just random numbers, and it was. I think it was made by. Oh, I don't know some well, some Norwegian TV channel, and it's about teenagers and teenage, and it shouldn't it shouldn't be interesting to adults, but it is. Yeah, and it's sweet like Denmark and Sweden. Everyone's obsessed with this teenage, and it's Amazing. so exciting. And it's just about te it's so good. And do you think the um, non English speaking countries have a potential greater freedom when creating art because you're not push into that Hollywood market, that American market, and so on and so forth. You've got... It, 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 it's excited me in the last, even just five years, that so much Scandinavian drama and uh, f French drama and stuff like that is coming into the UK because people are realising that oh, there's, there's really good stuff. But it feels that bit ahead and risks are taken a bit more because you're not sitting there going, oh... Are the British going to like this, or are the Americans going to like? This? Whereas I think in Britain we do think: Is America going to like this? Is this? Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, maybe. I've never thought. I've, I think I've arrogantly, as as an arrogant Danish person, I think I've always just assumed: Oh, maybe we're just better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe we can just do. But I think I think the well, I don't know where money comes from really in Denmark, but like when it comes to creating films and stuff. But I do think that. Yeah, because they're never going to make the money back, I guess. So yeah. there must be a lot of funding somewhere because yeah. something needs to be created, but we're not enough people to really earn them that money back. 
Yeah, it's a fascinating one. It's kind of it 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 it, it puts a lot of the creation down to similar to what the BBC maybe is or is meant to be. That is, it's not purely about ratings. It's it's about yeah. the quality of a of a project and a and a product. And you will see with with the bridge and, and the killing and things like this. It will say at the end funded by yeah because that's all uh, Arts De- Council, Denmark's this, radio yeah, which is yeah. the, our BBC yeah so that's created by that but I think we also what we have that makes art better is there's not that um need to be so formal right you know yeah. you can you can barely put on any Danish film without seeing genitals yeah, everywhere yeah, yeah. not even in a sexual context or in a sexy context yeah. just Oh, there's a guy pissing on the beach and you see yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like horror films. There'll be a, a naked guy in a bed, just flaccid penis everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And no one cares. And that's prime time. Such a dream. Oh, I mean, it sounds odd God. for me to be, be dreaming of a flaccid penis <laughs> everywhere, but I, I literally am. But I, 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 one of my first um, uh, tour managers was Swedish and he was he was stunned at the taboos of everything oh. in the UK. He was like, he was like as a teen... We would all go to the pub and we'd get home and then we'd all get in the sauna naked. Yeah. It's like, I know this sounds like a cliche. I know this sounds like, <laughs> that's just how it is. And it's that, it's that yeah. naturalness. And that openness has got to be a positive thing for yeah. art and, and creativity, I right? I can't imagine it's not. Like, it is, like, watching, I, I didn't know I was proud of Danish, you know, cultural, Danish art until I, I moved here. Because I just thought that was just... I, I never compared it to where it was from. But I was always extremely fascinated by Danish cinema. I thought it was yeah. going to be a director. I thought it was going to be a scriptwriter. I thought it was going to be an actor. Because I was always obsessed with Danish cinema. Uh, like I, wouldn't, I would never watch uh, cartoons when I was a child. I always watched films. And, wow, yeah. And, and they're dark. And it's... Yeah. Like, uh, one of my favorite examples is... And I, I think it's a Susanna Beer film called after the wedding or before right. the wedding uh, i think okay. it won like a massive maybe an oscar or something else anyways there's a scene where a man and a woman who i think they're in a couple they're arguing and they're both screaming they're both crying mm. and it looks so real it is yeah. every single argument you've ever had yeah, yeah, and it yeah. is there's nothing hollywood about it yeah. the man is weeping yeah. just full on and he's you know it, and it's not a comedy it's an actual serious dra- dramatic scene where yeah. he is crying because of his feelings. You know, yeah. and it's so realistic and wonderful to just see a man cry because oh yeah, yeah. That, and like when that when, when 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 men cry uh, no when men fight in Danish cinema, yeah. it's not that uh punch uh punch. It's actual like you know when like when men cry and they get like tears in their eyes and they're all like mm, mm, and it's yeah, like yeah. that tension and no one really wants and they're pulling each other's hair and it's all awkward and real yeah i love that and oh, i love it so much um i really enjoyed uh, <laughs> this is completely a step aside in the artistic <laughs> side but i really enjoyed um the netflix daredevils uh, series and I'll, I'll i'll explain why i've gone to that but, but there was a fight scene in that where he's fighting a load of different people and he gets tired and it's exhausting and they're falling over and it's not this sl- this slick amazing fight scene and the and 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 the and the fight director of that was saying it was influenced a lot by by Asian c- c- cinema and by European cinema and stuff like that where it is that 
it's more realistic. It's not yeah. let's look out, let's make this just this amazing thing. It's like no, he's he's knackered and he's just yeah. about getting through. Um, I think the the lack of of, of censorship in society in Scandinavia, um, as you said, equally has pushed has allowed the artistic boundaries to be pushed. An example that comes to mind for me that meant a lot, and I had a lot of debates about this online um at the time because i think i did a post that the, the oh no i had a t-shirt that got misunderstood but anyway <laughs> um the bridge having the lead a, a lead character who's autistic essentially in, in in saga who's not some autistic weirdo she's the coolest or oh, one of the coolest so characters cool. in tv like i oh, just so cool. was in love with her from oh, the, 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 the second i met when her she but, talks to that little kid the kid who is, is, is has he lost a parent or his yeah. dad got shot and she's she gives him this book about how to deal with grief yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like four-year-old child and it's again just just all of it her 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 demeanor and manner and everything it's not none of it as well none of it feels like it's done in a Oh, we're going to represent autistic people. Oh, Why no. it's done in a oh that just happens to be who this yeah. character is and 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 her eccentricities and unusual uh, her her relationships her interactions are going to be unusual. But that's at no point do they make a big deal of it, or at mm. no point is it seen as this. This is a real stand for, but it's beautiful. Yeah, because of that. Is. And again, I think it's it, it's part that wouldn't if they tried to to do that in the UK. There would have been too many hoops to jump through, boxes to tick, people yeah. to be careful of, and it, it just wouldn't have happened. Yeah, and their relationship is so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Because he's not being super understanding and careful. He's like, he's super annoyed with her. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and fascinated, and and you know, tries to get it, but he's also just like, oh come on. Yeah. <laughs> so, so growing up in 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 Denmark, it was film and and that kind of thing that was inspiring you ahead of comedy initially right i mean there was a lot of stuff when i was a child i wanted to be i wanted to uh, find uh i wanted to be in jurassic park <laughs> that's i didn't want to be a i mean that's a great ambition right? i completely yeah but my mom was always very good at keeping me level-headed so she took me to an actual um dig what do you call it digging yeah, thing yeah. excavation thing. yeah that's a word Good luck to me saying that way ever again. <laughs> a digging thing. I'm going to keep with the digging Just thing. Just go with digging thing, <laughs> digging yeah. Thing. So she took me to this little, like, so we lived in this little village at that point called Sönerse. So she took me to this digging thing and to see how they actually do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most boring. Yeah. There's mud and tractors and, oh, God. So I was like, oh, so we don't just find... The simple... F- Fictional edition of actual dinosaurs just makes it so much more exciting. Oh my doesn't God. It? Like, where's the sun? Yeah. Where's the little brush that yeah. I can brush off a little dinosaur bone? Yeah. And then I wanted to be a carer, and then my mom said, You have to wipe old people in the butt. And I was yeah. like, Ew. That's not I was, funny. <laughs> yeah. At this point, I was 18. No. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but then when I became more teenager, it was all about film and writing. I started writing a lot. So I yeah. wanted to be director was my first thing and then I became an intern at Centrope which is the, one of the biggest film uh, companies oh, wow. which is run partly by Lars von Trier right yeah did the Dogma films yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. Uh, which was incredible it was the best what was it was it a month or two weeks it was two weeks but then I was allowed to stay there over the holidays as well wow that's and an was, amazing oh my experience. god oh my I mean I didn't 
I mean, I just had so many tiny things that make me think that this is it. This is absolutely it. They let me watch mm-hmm. like a screening of a new film that no one else had watched before. And I, I felt so like, what, what was I, 13, 12, 13, 14, 14 yeah. maybe. And I watched this and I just, and I knew it was a screening. So I knew it wasn't done yet. Yeah. Like, they still had to do a lot yeah. of edits. And then everyone afterwards just stood in this circle and the director was there. And I was sitting next to the director and I could see he was like kind of not shaking, but he was like really yeah. nervous, so just what? like touching his hands a lot, like looking around the room, seeing people's reactions. And I was like, oh my God, this is an artist. This yeah. is a true artist. And then afterwards he was asking everyone about his specifics, uh, like what people would change. And then I think to humor me, or to be nice to me, he asked yeah. me, he said, what do you, like which scene do you think could be cut? And I was like, my heart was in my throat. And I was like, uh. And I was like, I think, I'm so sorry, but I think that that scene with the kid and the dad, I I just don't think that that, uh. And then he just, the second I said that, he looked at another guy and he went, see? That's exactly what I said. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm Steven amazing. Spielberg. I'm Steven Spielberg. <laughs> I mean, this is, uh, there's an absolute beauty there of, realisa- of, of, of realization over the years of going, I want to be in in, in Jurassic Park because Jurassic Park is just I love Jurassic Park because it's, it's, it's one of my favourite f- films. I've got a, m- a huge relationship with it. Oh, it's brilliant! To then seeing what archaeology is and excavations are and going, oh, this isn't that exciting, and then bridging that gap and saying, right, I want to be the person that makes this thing that's not very exciting into that thing that I fell in love with. So going, right, here's here's I found the real subject and it doesn't excite me, but Look at what Spielberg and that turned 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 that into. I want to make that magic. Oh, that's an excellent point. You know, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. that's kind of a beautiful path there of going. Yeah. That, that, that this is this is such a letdown. But I'm not going to be. I'm not going to get here and go. Oh, it's, it's it's rubbish. Kind of be more motivated to go. How did this? How did someone trick me into thinking I wanted to do this? <laughs> you know, it's kind of how can I how can I be in a position where I can make people build me a big sand yeah. pile where I can still use the little brush and pretend? Yeah. <laughs> did you? I mean, I'm not going to talk about Jurassic Park the whole time, but did you enjoy a Jurassic World? Oh, which one was that? Is that so the, the most recent one? one? Yeah, the most recent. Is that, not the one that's out because there's one that comes out next year. Is it the one with Chris Pratt? Yes. Yeah, I like that. I, I really like, enjoyed I like it. That. I I had that. Just, I mean, the childishness of the excitement of when the kind of edited version of the Jurassic Park theme comes in. Just small things that I didn't realise. It made me realise how attached I am to the original film and yeah. all the different bits that are little nods to it. I was just like, I, I, I remember just being in the, in the cinema thinking, this might be good, it might not. And all those little mm. easy little tricks of we're just mm. going to put this little bit of music there just made me oh, yeah. just, just have that one, little shiver of excitement. There was one specific tiny tiny detail where i just like punched the punched the air it, it was they're all being attacked by dinosaurs spoiler alert and uh, then there's one of the tourists or one of the just regular like extras yeah. who is running away from like a dangerous dangerous dinosaur and he grabs his full drink and starts running with the drink and yeah. i was like that is that, that's what this, this whole series is it's yeah. about how people it's about capitalism yeah, being yeah, evil. Yeah, this yeah, is about yeah. capitalism being. I know it's a quite a leap, but no, I was like, no, this is people. He, he, leave your fucking drink. Yeah, you know, you're about to die. I mean, but it's still great. wanting uh, greed and yeah. Oh. I, I kind of I, I I saw someone give kind of a, a breakdown of it and saying, oh, I couldn't I watch it because it was 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 so much product placement and stuff like that. And I was like, 
that was a key part of mm. the storyline. That was a key narrative. The mm. fact that the new dinosaur was mm. created because sponsors wanted like that. Mm. There's no mistake there. If, yeah. if you think they've accidentally, oh, you've seen through and they had some product <laughs> posts, like that's a key narrative yeah. in that story. And again, a similar there, that annoyance of the ultimate of capitalism was like, well, I've paid for this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you're going to, but I've paid for this and it's, it's extra large and I've only drunk half of it. It's like, that's, yeah, that's, that's part of it. That's key to it. I, I, I love that people assume that something goes through so many, and sometimes it does happen, but something goes through so many processes of writing, of being made, of this and that, and they're going to have put this in accidentally. <laughs> yes, Do you know what I mean? It's like, mistake. someone's probably thought, I know, I'm sure, I know mistakes <laughs> do happen, but in general, there's certain things that you're like, you're really as, as sitting there stroking your beard going, oh, I've just spotted this. It's like, you were meant to spot that, mate. Don't worry, it's not. Oh, babe, yeah. <laughs> it's good. So so where, what was your transition um, from from getting so inspired by getting to, to be, a, you know, a, a place set up by Lars von Trier and things mm. like this to, to moving towards comedy? Well, it went. So I did that. Then I did a lot film of Because film is the opposite of what you were saying about what you love about podcasting, that you yeah. can do it all yourself. Oh, gotcha. Film is the opposite. It's the ultimate. Any role you have in it, yeah. you're submitting to a lot. If you're a writer, yeah. you can write a perfect script oh and God. then you have to submit that to oh, it's the worst. a director and editor that and everything else. That was almost what put me off it because yeah. uh, in order to become, in order to work at St. Hopper, I don't know if it's still the same. It probably is. Because they're a bit eccentric, uh, mm-hmm. Lars von Trier and Peter Ulbeck, who, who runs this place. Like, they have a, a pool, they have a tank just for fun. Amazing. They're these kind of very eccentric yeah. people. And, um, and so you, you become a smutter, which is not a real word. It's just like a weird title they've made up, where you essentially work for free for maybe six months or a year. Right. And you're kind of signing up to being treated badly, and then you might be paid eventually. And mm-hmm. You know, there were there were all these things, again like hoops you have to jump through and you have to be very obedient and I'm yeah. I I'm not obedient. I'm not good with authority, <laughs> right, I'm not yeah. good with having a boss. So I, I think that kind of faded out a bit and then it became more about writing. Yeah. I would write so much. I would write so much that I would volunteer to do other people's homework just to have some writing to do. Amazing. And they, of course that. they loved that and yeah, I loved yeah. I was like, Thank you so much for letting me it's the and perfect they were like, combination. It was <laughs> It's the only reason I was a bit popular. Yeah, I remember being. Uh, it really saved me because I lived at this point. I, I lived with my uh, with my family in like a, in a ghetto in Denmark. Yeah, like one of the only ghettos, which yeah. is still not that bad. I remember walking home at night and then being stopped by this huge group of guys, uh, like all wearing hoodies, and yeah. and they were like ganging up on me, like pushing me into a corner. And then one of them went, "Oh wait, no wait, that's Sophie. She just did my my poetry homework." <laughs> And then they were like, oh, Sophie, hey. <laughs> and I was like, Amazing. hi, guys. <laughs> Has anyone got any homework that needs doing? <laughs> exactly. Please give up. me some work. <laughs> so I would write a lot. And then that turned into me wanting to be a journalist. Yeah. Um, and then I became an intern in a, at a newspaper. I got to write full length, like full set like articles, like not, you know, not some, like two page yeah. middle wow. yeah, sections yeah, yeah, yeah. articles. And I was 15 at this point. Oh, wow. And I got like a mentor called René Fransbo in Denmark who, uh, who said to me that, oh, if you're one, he, he was kind of a radical guy. He got fired eventually for throwing 
uh, a brick at the police to write like an opinion piece about how that felt. Wow. <laughs> he's really cool. That's amazing. He's, re- that. he's so cool. He wrote a book uh, where he gave everyone fake <laughs> names, but it was very easy to, it was about like drug, drugs within the music industry, but everyone could tell he was just outing a yeah. hundred different amazing. artists. He's incredible. So he basically it. said to me, listen, the people who go to journalist school are boring as fuck. Can I swear on this? Yeah, yeah. Get swear yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> so like, they're boring as fuck. If you want to be a real good journalist, you go out and you live, like have life experience. You yeah. don't want to go to journalism school. Yeah. They'll just teach you about commas and you'll just end up writing like everyone else. So it's go amazing. out and live. So I was like, oh, well, again, now I don't know what to do. So I would write and write and write. Um, and then I've gotten, I had to get a job after school when I was 18. Then I had like a few years with depression and anxiety where... I don't think I wrote anything and I got into this relationship and then I just got into, I was just in a dark hole for three or four years. Right. And when I came out on the other side, I got a job for UNICEF being a fundraiser. Right, yeah. Where I met these amazing people and I was bad at that job, very bad. (laughs) (laughs) Big apologies to UNICEF for the money I've cost them. And then I, but then I found another job in fundraising that I was really good at within the Danish Refugee Council and um, a Danish demining group. Mm -hmm. And between that, I worked for Amnesty, Red Cross Youth, uh, all of these other organizations. So I became into everything was charity for a while. Yeah. And uh, these uh, non-governmental organizations and. Uh, fundraising and then that became my whole life for I guess two or three years until I through that accidentally fell into comedy right before before I saw live comedy when I was 21 yeah it had never been an option I'd never considered it I'd never thought it would happen I mean I was Mm -hmm. two years into having done comedy before I realized it might be able to happen (laughs) right yeah this is actually a career yeah there's there's I mean I love that as a story and as a journey because you've found out what you want to do by doing loads of Mm. stuff and that's such a rare thing these days it Mm. seems and I'm all for research and figuring things out but I think one of the best ways to find anything is going out there and doing it and learning it and then you again it's the things you fall into and the things you stumble upon rather than I want to do this to get to here, to get to there, to get to there. It's like, well, just go and do some of it. Or even, I could never do that. Mm. So I never want to hear that unless you've tried. Mm. If you've tried to do it and you can't, that's fine. I'm not someone who's saying <laughs> that you're not allowed to fail or whatever else. It's like, but if you're telling me you can't do something and you've never tried it, it's like, fuck off. You, you, like, yeah. like, like you don't know that. So I, I love that you've kind of jumped into all these different things and gone, yeah. let's try this out. Let's see if this works. Nope. It doesn't. <laughs> and a lot of it had to do with people as well. Yeah. So the second I found out, you know, the kind of people who were in the movie business, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't really a nice place to be. I sure. mean, the, the artists themselves, like the, the actual director, the actual scriptwriter, mm-hmm. they were wonderful people. I mean, it's tough as well because sometimes the, the, to be a great artist, you, you don't necessarily have to be a great person. Yeah. Or, oh, or, or, or a never, great interactor, or you know oh, I mean? none of those is. things have ever like yeah. I. I was never faced by whether or not people were kind. That was yeah, never yeah, a thing. Yeah. But were they interesting? Were they right, real? Yeah. Were they true? Were they yeah. honest? But people who people in journalism are not <laughs> yeah. inherently not necessarily neither interesting or I mean some of them are of course like my mentor. He was incredible, yeah, yeah. but the rest of the people I 
would meet with just but then within um fundraising i met people who were in a very extreme sense of the word would die for a cause yeah because we would all sit there and fundraising is one of the things that most people make fun of the thing that everyone can somewhat for some reason agree is a disgraceful job which is right yeah, I, I mean, it's it's it baffles me and i it makes me so sad when people go yeah uh, what do you call them here you call them um uh charity muggers yeah yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. I, I was bad at being that in the street yeah. so i was over the phone and i was fucking good at it yeah I was really, really good at it because I could turn off the empathy and just go, this is for the cause. Yeah. So I'd be a really, really good phone fundraiser. I ended up running a department. Great. And, uh, but the people I met were all people, the people who would last, that is. We were all this, it felt like a little movement of people who were not phased by people being rude, uh, people being uh Bad people, people mm. being so rich they didn't understand that there even were people out there being hungry. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it felt like we'd been through a tiny, tiny wall every single night. And then we sat down at 9 p.m. after our shifts and we were like, right, let's go get a drink. And just yeah. we've today we've all together raised this, the amount of money it takes to clear a whole section of Darfur for landmines. Yeah, Let's go amazing. get a fucking drink. Yeah, it's, I, I think it's a... F- fascinating area and, and world and uh, weirdly this is uh, you shouldn't i know my friend indy because she's obsessed with jurassic park and works for greenpeace so it's, it's just oh, weird amazing. that each yeah. each each topic that's coming up i'm like oh that relates to yeah. someone i know um but um it's it's a fascinating uh, or i find the world of, ch- of, ch- of charity and fundraising a fascinating world because it is like any other. I think there is good and there is bad, and I think there is conflicts as well. I think the thing that confuses me a lot, and this is knowing a lot of different people in, in different types of charities, is that for a lot of them to succeed and make the difference that they need to make, they need to be run like a business. Mm. And then running a charity like a business in some areas uh, presents conflict and, and mm. it's stuff that I become uncomfortable with and it's I always remember when my mum was working for the Samaritans and she, and she still does that she wasn't I did a lot of work with Calm who mm. are a, a, a men's mental health ch- ch- charity and it was weird to talk to the people at Calm and see at that point and again everyone works together and, but at that point Calm kind of saw Samaritans as the enemy and or as yeah. a rival and Samaritans saw Calm as a rival and it's like you know, you should be sh- sharing a table at these events and yeah, share, yeah. like this should be a shared thing and and actually I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast but I I not had an argument but I had a a long back and forth with um someone at cancer research because they wanted me to be involved in a project they were doing and I declined now I've worked with cancer ch- at charities it is something that means a lot to me my my granddad had leukemia and died of leukemia and but um the thing that i kind of the issue i had with cancer research and this isn't an attack on cancer research at all in fact i think i might have mentioned this in a recent podcast and now it's going to sound like it is a constant attack on cancer (laughs) research but the the issue that i had was the thing that works for them to run it as a business is to divide cancer up um 
because the argument I made was I I looked into I did so again I try and I try and I do research on anything if I'm going to be involved in positive or negative, um, and I found that um, pancreatic cancer had one of the highest death rate percentages and had one of the the lowest amount of of, of funding, um, whereas breast cancer and, t- and testicular cancer huge amounts of funding, a huge rates of success now which is great but. It's because the campaigns are easier to get behind. Um, the pink, the walk for breast cancer and things like that. And I put that to them. And, 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 and the woman at Cancer Research, again, not a bad person in any way, doing what she thinks is the best way to do things. If I don't agree, that's just a difference in opinion. But um, her feeling was, if you've lost your mum to, to breast cancer, you're going to be more inclined to engage engage in this and so on and so forth which I got but my argument was but that's because you've given that option if the option was just to support cancer you wouldn't go well my mum died specifically of breast cancer so I'm not do you know what I mean so my feeling was that because it was run like a business because that was ways of making it work was you're Mm. getting competitive you're having different campaigns you're having different social media challenges it meant that things were falling behind the wayside because they yeah. they didn't have as good a marketing team or as yeah. good a marketing thing and things like that. So it was, yeah. That's why. That's that's why. Yeah, because I'm trying to imagine if we had done that in the at the Danish Refugee Council, because we would get people on the phone saying, "Oh, can I only support white kids?" Right. Or stuff like that. Yeah. Where or people saying, um, "Oh, but I've I've heard that you give." Uh, money to um what do you call like roadblocks yeah. you know like the, sometimes you'll just have people who like little soldier cliques standing yeah. by roadblocks yeah, demanding yeah, yeah, money yeah, yeah. for you to pass right and then you it's such a big thing having to explain say no this is like this goes into a big part and then there are really clever people who decide know where it where goes these money. Best, and yeah. yes if sometimes some money has to go to road like has to go to people who don't deserve because that's how the world works you can't not help an entire village just because you don't want to give five pounds to a soldier who's a bad guy yeah and because and that's the problem with trying to make people people because when you when you have to make people donate to something like that you kind of do have to make them feel involved and somehow like this yeah. is this is all on you. You can make this huge change, yeah. but then they also want to have a say in it. And you're like, no, you have to. You have to trust us to be yeah. the experts in it. Yeah, and yeah. and and the cause of Danish Refugee Council, which is Dansk Flüchtlingehjælp, if anyone from Denmark is listening, uh, was the the uh, CEO, the guy who ran the whole thing. He came in and he always rode his bicycle. He's this amazing guy. Yeah, he's oh, old white hat man. Oh, probably not old. He's white hat. He's a man. <laughs> <laughs> he came into the office and the, on the first day, he uh, he said to uh, he said to me and the other people starting, he just went. Our goal is for us to not exist. Right, That's what we yeah, want to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. When we're done, we don't need to exist anymore, yeah. and then we'll all be happy. I was like, "Fucking great! Yeah. That's amazing!" Yeah, that's perfect. That's that's again, it's a perfect outlook. It's that you're trying to yeah. s- solve a problem. It's it's, yeah. it's one of the things I love. I did a podcast with a Greenpeace, and they're another one that people will love and hate. People have conflict, mm. and there's been certain things I haven't agreed with them, and certain things I have. But uh, one of the things I loved hearing about was kind of off the record was the amount of stuff that they amount of problems that they solved without a big public campaign 
because of yeah. the power they have and the, the good that yeah. they've done, there would, there's a lot of companies that they will contact and say, look, because of what you're doing here, you're kind of next on our list. We're kind of giving you a chance to sort oh, it out. amazing. And they'd solve it. So it wouldn't be, it's not that kind of, again, I think the issue that some people have with charities is it, they fear it's just a load of people trying to pat themselves on the back and go, look at the good that we're doing. It's like, they solve loads of problems without anyone ever knowing about mm. it. Just going, oh yeah, look, we're coming for you next. <laughs> and that just, I loved how yeah. gangster it felt. It's like, oh, yeah. just by the way, you're next on our list. You sort yeah. your shit out, or and if it, no, all right, we'll stop that. Yeah, and I love that. And it was a spot as well. It felt like yeah. a, it felt like for good. I mean, I, I believe every single person in that call center where I started out, where I worked for a few years, every single one of those people could have become so rich if they'd worked in somewhere where they got of permission yeah. permission 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 commission commission yes <laughs> second language it's all good <laughs> <laughs> but we just got like the hourly rate depending on yeah, what we got yeah. and i would see some of these people just sweat i would see two people sitting opposite each other just on the phone just trying oh and it would it would excite me so much seeing these yeah uh like giants just use their words and their tonation to put the point across yeah. I remember seeing one guy called Mark who's also the boss we had this day where the bosses took the phones which is kind yeah. of like a motivation thing of oh no even we're doing it yeah. it always worked because uh, we got to hear how they did it so yeah. we'd be like ooh let's we'll see if we can pick something up and I did because he was this guy called Mark was on the phone with this woman and he was really trying and she, you could just hear she kept saying no and then you could see him and he like arched his back and he leaned back and he just went apparently I haven't been making myself clear enough. And then he said something along the lines of, there are people dying, you can help. Please help. Amazing. And then it was silence for a while, and then he started typing in her information, so she'd just gone, duh, yep. yeah, good point. Yep, you're right, good point, you've done that. <laughs> and it was just in his tonation, and it was in his, oh, I was so excited by it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird one, and again, I think you're right in highlighting it in, in British culture in particular, I mean, that's all I can, can speak of on this particular subject, is we do, it's easy to have a default of, oh, no. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because because there are a lot of different, and again, I think it's part of the, of the issue can be that there's, there's, there's so many causes, um, and that's not the fault of any of the, the foundations or whatever else. Yeah, it's like, or the way the The, the fact there's so many causes is means there's a lot of bad stuff going on in the world yeah. so it's a shame but or even better there's so much opportunity for you yeah. to feel really good about yourself yeah yeah completely but i think I, I think because of that it can make people become a little bit my automatic response is no i'm sorry yeah, no course, i'm busy yeah. and and that's a shame because you don't get to yeah to see all of it with i, I mean i have on on social media, I ex- explain to people a lot. I have people ask me to push certain causes, and I explain to them, I can't because if I get behind two or three causes a year that mean something to me, people will react to it. If I post a cause every mm, week, yeah. people will ignore all of them. So yeah. I'd rather have an effect on two or three than have all of them, have all of them ignored, them ignored yeah. but I look like such a nice guy because <laughs> I'm pips, pips pushing another cause kind of thing. So yeah. it's finding the the balance, all right, of making that work, of, of yeah of getting through to the right people at the right time, I guess. Yeah. It's a weird one. So, so, so how did you, again, so how did that turn into, or, or, or how did you come out of that and into comedy? Was you saw comedy 
for the first time yeah. around that. So I, uh, I, I loved comedy. I've always loved, like, the first time I saw comedy, I was 10 years old, I saw it on TV, and I was yeah. cr- crying with laughter. And then throughout my depression, watching comedy was the only thing that could get me out of bed. Was Amazing. Just to, uh, what kind of thing were you into? Was it? It's all is, Danish. Is there a big Danish scene? Yeah. Not big, but it was there, and there yeah. were loads of DVDs and stuff that I bought. The only English speaking ones, I think I, it was Riga Gervais. Yeah. And uh, Ellen DeGeneres, yeah. I think, were the only American ones I saw, English-speaking ones yeah. I saw. And I loved that. Oh, Ellen DeGeneres and uh, like Rika Gervais' bit about uh, the animals about to go on board the Noah's Ark. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. All, but all comedy just made me cry with laughter. Most of it was the Danish com- comedians. Yeah. But again, it, it was so, like, it wasn't even a, you know... It, Viable. It wasn't, yeah. yeah. It, it never ever became about me. It was just me watching it laughing. And then when I was working at the Danish Refugee Council, there was a girl who started working there uh, and she was hilarious. She was so funny and I was crying with laughter at everything she said. And uh, we went out for drinks after a day and uh, and I spoke to her and she said, um, she, I said I loved comedy and she said, oh, well, my boyfriend's a comedian. And I was like, well, which one is he? Because I know all five of them. And she was like, no, there's actually <laughs> a lot of them. There's others, yeah. And I said, oh, really? And she said, yeah, you can come by. There's an open mic. And I didn't even know what an open mic was. But she she was really bad at her job. And I'd been helping her a lot because she was so funny. I liked her. Yeah. So I was helping her and helping her, causing uh, them to cost a, a, lose a lot of money. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I really liked her. And then she, so she owed me one. She said, well, this is actually a volunteer job because this is open mic where people work and it's, uh, all the profits go to save the children. Yeah. So you can put it on your CV. So, it's, but you, what you're doing is you're just manning the door watching comedy. So yeah. everyone wants this particular volunteer job. Yeah, amazing. But I actually run this whole thing so I can get you in because my boyfriend's a comedian. Oh, fantastic. Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she got me a job at this open mic. And the first time I went, I can't even, I, I laughed so much that I was, I couldn't even, this whole world of, like, it was right by my doorstep. There was these open mics where these people I had never seen before, but they were funny. Yeah. We're just going out on stage, making the jokes that I'd had to see on a DVD, and this was just happening every single day. Oh, oh my, like, my mind was blown, and yet didn't cross my mind at all until I sat backstage uh, with some of the, with the comedians just being very quiet listening. And then one of them said, oh, I saw you do that joke again. Uh, did you rewrite it? And then the other one said, yeah, I wrote some new lines. And I went, Ex- excuse me, wrote? You don't just go up there and yeah, talk? would be funny. Yeah. And they said, no, no, we write our jokes. And then my head exploded and I, they said, no, there are books. You can learn how to write comedy. And I bought all of them. They're like 16 joke books called oh, like, wow. horrible things like the joke Bible and how to Amazing. do comedy, how to become a comedian. And I read all of them yeah. and I just started writing because I, I write. I've yeah. always been a writer. I've always yeah. written. So, so that was like a combination of, oh, my God, this is a thing. I love that if 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 it feels like you... It feels like you getting in there was another scam. In that, like when you were at school and they were like, "Oh, I like writing. I'll do your homework." If it feels like she's gone, well, you've got this job on the door. 
you kind of have to do it for free. But it's a, it's, it's a favour. You're like, I'll, I'll do it for free. It's like, great, they're getting a free employee and you get oh, yeah. to, to get in there again. I oh, love but it. Was, it felt like such a gift. Yeah. It felt like the biggest gift. Amazing. Because then I was just, I thought, this is my perfect, this, this is perfect. Yeah. I can go home every night, I can write these jokes, which I now realise I love to do. Yeah. So I would write like 16 pages of jokes and I would go to these open mics every single night and just to hang out with comedians, just yeah. to be close to them, to watch the comedy and then afterwards just stand near them yeah i was so annoying i mean they'll all attest to this publicly i was so fucking annoying just kept just standing there and then they would be like having drinks having a chat i'd be like excuse me uh tell me more about comedy yeah and i just so i was so I desperate to hear them talk about the craft and yeah houses and i remember calling friends of mine to tell them about new joke formats i'd found i remember calling a friend of mine just saying the words Someone just used silence as a punchline. Amazing. I love it. <laughs> so obsessed with this. I can, I can imagine the the annoyance, but also joy and excitement, because all of these industries are similar in that everyone doing it doesn't 100% know what they're doing, but if they get the opportunity to pretend they know exactly yeah. what they're doing, it's perfect. So they're probably up there thinking, I'm not really sure. Then when someone's saying, so how, that, how do you do that? Well, let me teach you a thing or two. Let me just explain this. You well, know, it's that beauty of it. Well, that's the interesting part. Is this was this is Denmark, meaning that there's only so few places. So, right. I mean, back then there'd be one open mic at from Monday to Thursday, and then there'd be the comedy club that had yeah. Friday and Saturday. So these these were the big comedians. Yeah, these yeah, were the right. famous yeah, comedians. Yeah, these are the guys because there's only one wow. place they can go. Right, yeah, so I did good. actually go up to our version of. Rick Gervais and go, excuse it. me, talk to me about talk it. Yeah. And so often they'd say, uh, sorry, I'm just here with my colleague. We're just having a chat. We've just done a show. We've just been at work. So yeah, you're in our not. workplace yeah. right now. And I would just do anything to be near them, be it, you know, I bought a camera to take pictures of them, to be near them, to be like, oh, let me take your press photos. I thought you just needed a fancy camera to take good photos. Yeah, yeah. And I tried that. Uh, tried sleeping with them. That. <laughs> that worked <laughs> i tried to do it until after a few months one of them was like listen you have to start doing comedy because yeah. that's clearly what you want yeah that's why you're here and i was like no oh no it's not no i just love comedy." he was like he was like fine on tuesday you have five minutes you're doing five minutes at this open mic Amazing. that's it and then that's the challenge i can't say no to that yeah so i i did it i was like forced into it and, and then it was just... And how, how'd the first five minutes go? It, I think it went well. Because yeah. it was... It went well because audiences are nice. Yeah. And I'm... I have always been good or had, like, a clear potential to become good. Right. Uh, like, I've... I think the, the very first time I realized that it was a written thing, I spent two months just watching comedy, taking notes. Amazing, yeah. And not in a... Like figuring out why are things funny? Yeah. Why is this funny? Why did, why did they laugh at that? How did he fix that from last week? So I did kind of study it and learn how to write jokes, yeah. which of course is not everything you need to be able to do to become a comedian. But I was kind of I was good from the beginning. Yeah. Um, but of course, in the way the new new comedian it's is, good though, is, 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 is putting in that work is is something we discussed on your podcast was the fact that it's the, the goal isn't just the getting on stage. Oh, that was never. The I goal hated is that bit. crafting and getting something really oh, good yeah, that you're then excited to, sh- yeah. to to share on stage. I have people ask me a lot um, of advice or, or or to read 
their poetry and stuff like that. And I always have to say, I'm no expert on poems at all, so mm. I can't really help you. But my feeling is, if you're excited to share it, it's probably good. Yeah. If you're sitting there thinking, oh, I don't, then it's probably, I'm, I'm not, I'm not there yet. All my experience with, with writing has been, I'll come up with something and be like, oh, people need to, I need to get this out. And it's that excitement to, to share it that tells you it's probably it's probably half decent and, yeah. and going to work hopefully absolutely I, I never the stage was never a thing yeah. I never wanted I never liked being the first two or three years I did comedy I, I and this sounds like I don't think people believe me when I say this but I do mean it I constantly had to fight the need to look behind me to see what they were looking at right it felt Amazing. so strange yeah. that it was me because I yeah. kept being what, just, what is why are you you? oh this is odd um, but it was such a thrilling, and also again with the people, I'd found my people. Yeah. I'd, and, and ironically, around that time, uh, like my one of my grandfathers had died, and I wasn't in no way close to him. But something a bit, and the reason why I say ironically is because I'm only now talking about this in my new show, this, right. this particular funeral. Oh, wow. But something that I found really funny happened at this funeral, and I thought it was hilarious. And I tried to tell all my girlfriends, and they all thought I was weird and annoying and why this isn't funny and oh my god I'm so sorry about your grandfather I'm like no no that's not the point this really funny thing happened yeah. and then I'd, I'd been so frustrated by telling all my f- friends about this and none of them had laughed, <laughs> <I'd> laughed. <laughs> and then I told a backstage uh, area full of comedians and they all laughed and I was like my people yeah this is yeah, it this, this is, is where it. I've this always been right to area. be yeah. every time I've been weird it's just because these people have been out there yeah and they've they would have understood me every time someone else didn't yeah so I just found my place and, and I found people who could talk to me the way I needed to be talked to. So after my very first, very first gig, everyone went from that open mic to the comedy club where some other comedians were. And, uh, and I was just standing by the bar feeling like I had so much energy. My hands yeah. were shaking. I was like, I was like, I can't believe what just happened. I was just on stage. It's like the biggest adrenaline rush. And, uh, one of the comedians found out someone said oh did you hear sophie debuted and and he was like oh really <laughs> he just knew me as this annoying yeah. person who was always there he was like oh <laughs> she's there again and then he was like wait you debuted and i was like yes and then he just grabbed me and dro- dragged me into the hallway and he went okay right these are the things you need to know and he just gave me like five top tip like oh wow uh, never say no to a spot you have to try and gig every single night um keep writing your jokes but do the same material over and over again until it's absolutely bulletproof perfect he had all these weird things like never do a joke twice if it doesn't work the first time scrub it write a new one which he's not right about (laughs) but i didn't know that (laughs) and he just had all of these like do this and never take a never take a break from comedy because if you can do that there are other people out there who want it more than you and then they deserve the stage time more than you and he just gave me all and then he went when's your next spot and i was like oh i was like i hadn't even considered next spot yeah. like i was just just had this life-changing experience yeah, 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 yeah. so he grabbed he was quite famous so he grabbed another comedian and he went oh you're you're emceeing this gig on thursday right he was like yes put sophie on he was like okay he grabbed another guy you're emceeing that thing on tuesday right yeah put sophie on they're like okay and he was like fine you have your next two gigs now f- fill the rest of your diary amazing and it was just and i was like yes this is what i need i need i need this i need something yeah. where i know exactly how to do and it's hard work it yeah. takes like stamina it takes emotional calmness it takes you know this is a thing that's going to make me cry it's a thing that's going to make me hate myself it's a thing that's going to be so painful and i'm going to fucking love it yeah i love that i love the i've i've always been a big fan of that outlook of 
of kind of c- congratulations. What's next? Oh, kind yeah. of rather than I've just debuted. I've just de- guys. I've just, yeah. all right, cool. What what's what's after that? Yeah. Kind of, I'm, I'm a big big believer in uh, s- s- celebration can be a negative thing because it, yeah. it, it it can be you going yeah look what I've achieved. It's like yeah. right. Well, you should have achieved that because you're really good. Yeah. Like that shouldn't be a big deal. That should just be that's that's yeah. what that that's what you do. What are you going to achieve next? Yeah, and don't keep, settle. And keep climbing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And the Danish comedy circuit was amazing for that because they all. It must be perfect if oh. it's that small. That it, yeah. it is that kind of you can a, a, a link and get around that that circuit oh. in a really or back quite then, quickly. It was magic back then. I don't. I, I'm saying back then because I don't know how it is now. Yeah. But back then it was magical because they all knew me and. Some of them kind of liked me, and some of them kind of hated me because I was so annoying all the time. And then when they started seeing me on stage, because because in Denmark at, the, at that point, not a lot of people knew about comedy, yeah. so an audience would always be fifty fifty. Some fifty percent of people had never seen comedy before. So when you go on stage, not only do you have to um, convince them that stand up is funny, mm-hmm. but then you also have to convince them that oh, like stand-up who's not that guy you know from TV is funny. Yeah. And then if you're a woman, also women are funny. Yeah. So it's it's a lot harder work. There's a lot of processes to get so, along, yeah. Yeah, they're so hesitant because I mean, they're the, so new. The, the set and, and setting is something that gets overlooked a lot, I think, as part of the art and craft of, of comedy. And you've you've touched upon it twice there in that you told a story of a funeral around for friends and it didn't work. You told it to comedians or in a club, and it brings it, it, it brings the house down. And I think comedy, particularly on any slightly on the edge subjects, we need to be told that we're allowed to laugh at it in yeah. advance, or, or 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 that we can laugh at it yeah. in advance. And it makes a huge difference. And comedy clubs are an example of that. Um, yeah. If you're familiar with comedy clubs, again, if it's, yeah. if it's a Danish scene where people aren't really sure what stand-up is, then... Yeah, especially because these were open mics. So, yeah. they, so people were, they were just in a basement and there were people talking on the stage and what, how is, why What's are they not happen? dancing? Yeah. Why are they not wearing silly hats? And that's it. If, 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 I think there's a lot to be said. And I think it's, it's the same with music, that I really enjoyed doing festivals as well as my own tours because mm-hmm. my own tour, not that it's easy, but people have spent money and invested in the fact they're going to have a good time. Mm. So chances are, as long as you don't fuck up completely, they're going to have a good time. If you know what I mean? They're, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're so invested in that fact. We've paid, we've, we've come out, we really want to enjoy this. So let's enjoy it. You don't, it is a bit in London, but mm-hmm. you don't get that many people who are like, I've paid, let's see what they can do. Mm. It's more, I've spent my money, let's go and enjoy it. Whereas, yeah. Again, if 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 you're on a night out and you're like, well, I don't know what's going to happen here, it's a different audience to try and win over. And it's, yeah. it's the same with a, a, a festival, I guess. If they're like, yeah. I've seen 30 bands at this weekend. Who are these guys? Impress me. I, I like having to win people over there yeah, as yeah, well yeah. as that kind of easier That's gig. why I love, you know, very early stage work in progress shows. Yeah. Because it's almost even worse because there will be people coming who are like, oh, my God, I, I love you. I've seen all of your shows and I've heard all your podcasts and I love you. And I'm like... Oh God! But if you're not a comedy fan, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're about to just hear me talk for an hour. Because this isn't what you're. This, is this not, isn't a polished set. Yeah, yeah, you need to understand that that other show you just saw. Was a it's year. tough as well because because works in progress sh- shows have such a scale mm. that it will be a work in progress right up until it's a show. And yeah. I remember going to see uh, one of uh, Ramesh 
Orangonathan's works in progress. And it was just before it was the show. So it was so spot on. Yeah. I was like, this feels unfair for anyone who this is their first time going yeah. to see a work in progress. Because <laughs> yeah. it was just before Edinburgh. So I was like, you're going to go and see another one tomorrow. And yeah. as you said, it's going to be someone kind of talking a bit and figuring it out. Whereas yeah. Ramesh's one at that point, it pretty much had all the beats in. It pretty yeah. much had it all there. I was like, oh man, I feel... It was an amazing night, an amazing sh- a sh- a show. I feel, I feel you've screwed over yeah, whoever's yeah. on next. Yeah. They're in their work in progress because you've just come out and performed an actual, yeah. an actual gig. So, so how did you find yourself in the UK uh, with your comedy and performing? There was a... And in a different s- scene as well, not the Denmark scene that's yeah. so intricate and interconnected. A scene that's got London, that's one whole, whole world, oh and then it's God. got everywhere else around the oh UK. Oh my god, and then there's the festival scene, yeah. there's the comedy club scene, there's yeah. the alternative scene, there's straight stand-up scene, there's the new gen- I mean, it, it well, it happened because I I'd done comedy in English like once or twice in Denmark. There was mm-hmm. a this once every other month or so that there'll be someone doing an English show. And I tried that a few times and that had gone quite well and I really enjoyed it. But then I had my heart broken by this guy who was a musical theatre uh, actor, and uh, <laughs> he played Mark in Rent, Amazing. and he broke my heart. And uh, because he was a mu- musical theatre actor, I was like, fuck you. I'm going to go to London, and I'm going to see all the musicals that you love. Amazing. <laughs> I thought that would make me win for some weird reason. I love it. So I went to, I booked, um, I used my the money I had to, I should have paid rent with, and I booked, uh, I had a couch surfed, I booked a couch surfing like a week in London, and uh, booked all the matinee musical, yeah. thing, like Les Mis, Wicked, all of them, Blood Brothers, and uh, and then I was like, oh, well, I'll have the evenings off, because I, and I was like, oh, what do I, I guess I could try and see if there are any spots going, I do one or two spots, and I ended up filling that whole week, so every single night I would do an, an open mic spot, like just like the most easiest ones to get. Yeah, like, yeah, just, yeah. But I didn't know anything about that. I just but they are about sh- hugely. Like it always oh, yeah. stuns me just just talking to all my comedian yeah. mates that they're like, yeah, I'll, I'll do five or six or seven yeah. a week. That's just easy. yeah. Oh, easy. And uh, I so it. I found some of them, and I, and I just so I just went here and watched the musicals and did the the spots. And I remember going back home, just standing in the tube station in Denmark, being like, I was still having my suitcase, and I thought. How do I get back? <laughs> I need to get right. back. And then I went back a month later. Uh, it was all I thought about was just going back and and meeting the people again and doing the same gigs again. Yeah. And uh, and that was a ten day trip where I had an Airbnb in Brixton. And about four or five days into that, I thought, hmm, how would one find a flat here? Yeah. And then I went on Gumtree, and then I went, how would they, but how does it look from the inside? So I went to this place in Manor House, no, in Arsenal, Arsenal, by Arsenal Tube, Mm -hmm. uh, Arsenal Stadium. And, uh, and I went to see this house, and I felt really sneaky. (laughs) They don't even know that, uh, that I'm not planning on moving here. They don't know that I'm just scouting. (laughs) And I was like, they were like, oh, so how long are you staying? I was like, oh, yeah, I'm moving here. And I was like, oh, those, those bloody bloody believers and uh, i saw this whole house and i was like oh this is really interesting this is how you live in england and then they said uh, so do you want you can have it if you want do you want it and i said yes <laughs> and 
And they're like, oh, cool. And I signed the contract. And th- all this happened. I was like in a haze, wow. almost paralyzed. And I went to the ATM and I pulled out all the money I had in my account and that just covered the deposit. And I handed it over Man. to them. And they're like, oh, great. So when are you going to bring your stuff over? And I was like, oh, now. So I went back to the Airbnb and packed my suitcase and took it back to this house and like told the Airbnb lady that I'm moving out now because now I live in London. And I just <laughs> sat on this bed in this three-story house on the top floor with next to my red suitcase. I was like, oh, no, <laughs> I just moved to London. I mean, that's a, that's a hell of an afternoon, isn't it? Just to... <laughs> yeah, it happened quite quickly. I love that. That's amazing. And then so... I called my mom. I was like, um... <laughs> By the way, I, I, yeah. I live in England now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Can you send over some money? <laughs> I love the, the swiftness of that. Not really any, maybe I should do mm. it. Like, oh, no, it's happened. It's just I'm, happened. I'm, I'm here. Yeah, and it was it, everything. Everything happened like that. It would yeah. be me walking down the street, passing a Lloyd's, going, oh, let me just try it. And I went into the Lloyd's going, Can I have a bank account? And they're like, Do you have a passport? I was like, Here we go. Oh, yeah. Here's your account. I was like, Okay, I just have an account. Now I have an account. Yeah. And I then, yeah, so then I just <laughs> lived here. And then it was just day, day by day trying to survive and eating porridge. And <laughs> I love that, just walking uh, uh, literally from each next bit to bit. So what do you yeah. need? Some money? Okay, yeah. I'll go and see if I can get some money. Can yeah. I have some money? Yeah, okay. Here's, 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 a lot of, you know, walking two gigs, even though it yeah. was like an hour and a half walk, just because yeah. I couldn't afford the bus fare or whatever. It's good, though. It's what I, I love about London, I think, is a really underrated part of london is the bulk of it is walkable mm. i know it's an hour or 90 minutes mm. but if it's not tipping or even if it is it's tipping down if you've got an umbrella mm. it's, it's it's nice i like mm. to walk around london as, as much as possible that's I, 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 I there was some i mean i'm looking back at it now because as, as like a really nice romantic thing because now i'm not as hungry as i was but <laughs> i just that whole buying like a one pound frozen pizza and that yeah. being my meal for the day and yeah. sometimes treating myself to a can of coke as well and going and then it's going intense. to these gigs and just doing comedy every night sometimes i could double up once mm. they'd earned my uh once i'd earned their trust they would allow me to double up and yeah oh my god and then i'd meet a comedian who would show me a new club I hadn't heard about and new comics I had never seen before and it Amazing. was just the uh, best so were you were you welcomed in into the scene quite swiftly yeah I feel so yeah are I there any people like you it. met early on that have that uh, that's that, that, that stick in your mind or that yeah um there's guide a, you in yeah there's a uh yeah some of the first people I met was a Canadian guy called Peter White right. who I think he's back in Canada now yeah uh and they were the first, so I, I moved in properly because that was like way too expensive, that place that was yeah. poor. So once I'd gone back home to clear my flat and to move properly, which Amazing. took me about a month to get everything yeah. sorted and close down stuff, uh, I moved properly to, uh, to Stratum Common with mm-hmm. a guy called Dave Millard, who's a Canadian comic who's now back in Canada, who's mm-hmm. one of the best comedians I've ever seen. He yeah. was so, he was magic. And then a guy called Peter White, also Canadian comic, back in Canada. And then Evelyn Mark, who's right. uh, she's doing her first show this year in in Edinburgh. She right. was a Swedish comedian. So we'd met probably on the first night I did stand up in English in Copenhagen. Yeah, because they had to have Swedish comedians right. over to do right, English yeah. comedy because no yeah. one else was doing it. And then we got talking in Denmark about, and I said I was moving. So she was like, "I'll move too. I'll do it. Let's <laughs> yeah. go." So we moved together to this house in Stratum. I uh, love that. I'll- I love the kind of the the pulling together and 
and and unity of it all as as well in that in that that nerve wracking rather than any competitiveness kind of yeah. let's go and do this let's let's yeah. let's all do comedy let's let's, let's yeah make and it there's work. a and there's a bit of I mean because I moved here because I was in the country for about six months before Evelyn Mark moved over for me I always had a weird kind of sense of entitlement because I was like I was here first kind of thing so I was a bit of she's probably the only one where I felt competitive with which right. was has always just been a destructive thing and something I definitely yeah. do not feel good about uh, but apart from with her oh my god the whole thing was just full of yeah. amazing people and just everything was so new and and even then same with everything else in, in my life I had no goals I wasn't like well, I'm going to do Edinburgh, I'm going to do get an agent, because I didn't know what those things were. Yeah. I just knew that there were gigs here in London, and then at some point people started saying Edinburgh as if it was a thing and not just a, not a place. And you're like, right, well, that's something. <laughs> I should, I'll should. i find out How about this. How do I this. do Edinburgh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do I just go there? What is it? But And then I tried to learn all these things, and but I think I was just poor gigging for free for a year, a year and a half or something, wow. just trying to get by on money from... Uh, from the Danish educational system. <laughs> yeah, and then it it finally turns around. Well, before we get uh, uh, to the end, I'm looking at how. Yeah, how I talk a lot. We're going. Um, <laughs> no, before we get to the end, I want to get to the thing that I, I'm sure is what first brought you to my attention. Um, in I'd say uh, last year, I guess um, was that when you started to to put together tours that were. Anxiety f- friendly as as such is that the, yeah I, I the, say anxiety is safe but not, anxiety neither are, safe, neither yeah. are completely <laughs> yeah. correct and 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 the point of that being obviously I'll I'll let you explain more but there are an increasing amount of people that do have a lot of anxiety and 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 and, and, and restrictions on their nights out due to anxiety and due to mental health issues or or physical issues or all these other things. And rather than than simply again, it's it's a reasonably s- a simple thing to say. Oh, all the venues have got a d- disabled access, but to make to pick venues and gigs that are anxiety safe, it can be a case of providing areas at the back or to the side that aren't 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 within all the crowd or balconies and so on and, and so forth. So, uh, uh, what is the process and what makes a anxiety safe gig? Um, well, it's, it's not a promise, but what I've said is there's an email address, which used to be a horrible Gmail address. Now it's tour at com, where if you're coming to one of my gigs, you can email me and we'll figure it out. Yeah. So, cause you can't, cause that's one of the things I learned pretty quickly is everyone's anxiety is different Yeah. and you can't plan that. I've, I've and, had people ask me. And that can be me, as much as, and that can, can kind of be all it takes is just to have some questions answered. Yeah, some people say, I mean, yeah, as simple as that, so of knowing, someone, oh, this is what the venue is, okay. Yes, exactly. I've had people say, and also someone just said, so, so someone wanted to know if uh, if I said a specific word that was very triggering to them. Mm-hmm. It's just the mentioning of that particular word. Wow, uh, yeah, that's fascinating. And I didn't, but I talked about the topic surrounding it, so I, I said to them, I said it comes at this this point in the show. This is the context. This is the story that I'm going to tell. Uh, I'm 99 percent sure I won't say the word. Uh, some people say um, 
Uh, some people tell me that they might have to leave for whatever reason, mm-hmm. either a physical thing or a mental thing, a psychological mm-hmm. thing, uh, and they but they wouldn't be able to leave if they thought that I would think that they were being rude. Yeah, yeah, So yeah, yeah. they were like, I'm going to leave, but just so you know, it's not about you. And yeah, just, that's yeah. all they needed to tell yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People have needed a seat by the aisle, a seat by the wall, a seat even the, close to the stage, far from the stage, close to the exit. Uh, sometimes I let people uh, walk in before the audience if they mm-hmm. don't like being in a crowd or feeling mm-hmm. that stress of having to find a seat quickly. So I would go out and meet them outside yeah. of the door and let them in 10 minutes before the audience yeah. they could find the seat. Um, so I had a lot of those. Um, yeah, I think those are... It's great because yeah. they're all kind of small and achievable th- yeah. things on on your part, but huge things to the individual that, that, that is having the anxiety over them. And as I said, I mean, people I know who've suffered from, from, from anxiety with social events or gigs or whatever else, again, as much of it can be just knowing someone telling you that, mm. that it's, the venue's all right in this way or in that way, yeah. or this is okay, or this is that. And it's like, all right, well, yeah. that's cool then. Where, where, Otherwise, where they may the not have made it in the front door exactly. because of that complete panic of, I don't, yeah. there probably isn't going to be this particular issue, but I don't know for certain, therefore. Yeah. And then there's the, really the added thing of, uh, so I, because I thought of this quite late last year when I did my first UK tour. Mm-hmm. So I, so I, I, I think I made sure that every single venue was anxiety safe, but I also wanted gender neutral toilets in all the mm-hmm. venues. And that was, it was too late to demand it. So only some of the venues were. Uh, but this my new my next tour which starts this autumn, all the venues are anxiety to save me. You can email me. All the venues have gender neutral toilets, yeah. and they're all all have disabled access, which is sadly so difficult. Yeah. Uh, but we did it. But I the, mean, it's the, the thing. It's the it's it's the problem. Not the problem, but one of the issues encountered by comedy and music becoming so much more viable as careers because of the internet and because of things like that you can tour without it being a stadium tour Mm. without it being this and that but part of the problem and and for bands as well but part of the problem with that becomes that you're going to be in venues that weren't necessarily built originally for performance for audience for this kind of buildings that have been adapted or some chairs Mm. have been slung in or a mic's been slung in or whatever else therefore it is easy to find a lot of venues that haven't got the correct access, haven't got this yeah, or that, because it's not been, it's not been the plan at the start. It's not oh, that they're yeah. evil or horrible. It's that they've gone, oh, yeah. oh we've got a, a room, we can put some comedy in there. They've not gone, oh, we've yeah. got a room, we can put some comedy, and we can keep the disabled out. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's, that, that's not what they've so... done. They've tried to be nice about it, but it's yeah. not always ideal. And some venues have been so nice, and they've... <laughs> Uh, and it's, I mean, cringe worthingly nice. Some of them have been like, oh no, but we can hire people to carry people down the stairs. And I was like, no, 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 God, no. That's not, oh, not going to work Please out. Don't. Yeah. So we've had to say no, but they've meant so well, which yeah. is kind of heartwarming. But the gender neutral toilets is part of the anxiety as well. Everything yeah. kind of becomes a bit about the anxiety as mm-hmm. well. Like the, the disabled access also has to do with anxiety yeah, because sure. it's not always, uh, you know, there's, uh, so the gender neutral toilets, I've had quite a few emails from people saying that that would have kept them from going. And that is due to right. the anxiety about, for example, being a trans person walking into a, a gendered toilet. Um, 
I mean, I'd imagine not because of your crowd, but have you encountered anyone who has anxiety in reaction to the gender-neutral <laughs> toilets? I've had... I mean, I've I know had, that's an odd one, and no, it's a no, kind exactly of a double-edged sword. But. No, I know exactly what you mean. I've had, <laughs> I've had a few people with, you know, American profiles that haven't liked my page or my uh, follow me on yep. Twitter. So I think we'd call them trolls. Yeah. Who did go? Well, I'm scared of the gender-neutral toilets, and I've just said the same thing to them as I said to everyone else, which is, okay, well, if you have an anxiety about attending this gig, you can email me with the show you're attending. And we'll figure it out yeah, because we'll there will be work. other toilets. You know, there might be a. Um, a backstage toilet or maybe I can get the staff to find somewhere else for you I can mm-hmm. walk you to a pub nearby you know we'll figure it out if that is a yeah, true yeah. I've n- no one's ever no. and then from the people um, the only reaction I've gotten that was kind of negative was someone saying it was really annoying that all of a sudden the queue to the uh, like the the, w- the toilets without urinals mm. was longer because uh, men would rather get in that line. Right. <laughs> All of a sudden, everyone wanted to go to the clean toilet, I think was what she said. <laughs> but again, small price to pay. Yeah. So yeah. I've had, I, there are a lot of people who got upset, but no one who would have come and attended a show of mine. Yeah. Because I like to believe that my audience are quite empathetic and they get that a toilet isn't a, it's not a safe space. And it's, and it's, it's, it's a fascinating, um, thing because it's that issue highlighted there wouldn't be an issue if we were several years down the line and toilets were put in as gender neutral Mm. rather than the fact in reality you're turning male and female toilets into gender neutral toilets i I make the signs myself i make them with the little color they're colorful and sweet You've not searched which comedy clubs have gender. You know, you, oh God, you, you, no, you're making them gender neutral for yes. the show, so it's it's making the best of a of of, of an, a, a, a a not ideal yeah. situation there. So it's always, it's interesting to hear that the one issue that's come up, it's like, well, that wouldn't be an issue if they if the venues truly, yeah. if we were in the future and we truly just had yeah. gender neutral toilets, then that yeah. wouldn't be. It's that thing of the thing I always have to say is it's always safety over comfort. I know it's not always the most comfortable thing having to poo next to a guy who's cute. If you're Mm. a hetero, uh, heterosexual woman, uh, cis woman or whatever. But again, there are people who feel unsafe because of the way they they from how they pass or uh, from their, their gender or if they're trans or whatever they feel unsafe so I don't care how uncomfortable this makes you yeah, we yeah. all have to just oh let's uh, just keep it together and yeah, survive this one toilet it's trip the, if, it's if the if thing it, that gets me with everything that kicked off over it in, in America with laws changing and changing back and uh, so on and yeah. so forth it's like well the the <laughs> The main argument seemed to be, I don't want my daughter having to share toilets with someone who was born a man. And my kind of argument is always, well, well they're, they're not. You, you're in a cubicle. You're, in that situation, the, the issue was always men or people born with male g- genitalia y- using female toilets. So female toilets are, aren't yeah. like men's where you all stood there together. You're in individual cubicles yeah. anyway. So I, 
genuinely have never understood that argument or that fear. It's like it's all transphobia. There's yeah. so much. The transphobic arguments are so silly and so. I mean, almost it almost makes me feel sick. Like the, the thing that, that kills whole... me is I've heard intelligent people who are liberal yeah. people go, "Yeah, but I get the fear of this." It's like, no, you're not. And particularly with that argument in America, was they were saying, "I don't want." some pervert to just be able to put on a dress and sneak oh. in it's like well number one that's not how it works it will, <sighs> yeah with that law you have to be legally so it would be some pervert in your mind who's gone through a lot of stuff to live in a certain way for a certain amount of time to get this legal yeah, thing yeah, yeah. all to poo next to your child again it's not gonna happen and number two as horrible and intimidating and scary as it is as a man if I want to, right now I can get up and walk into the Witherspoons exactly. across the road and go into the women's toilet. Exactly. And there's not, the there's not security not on the door. There's space. not... There's like, yeah. I could go and do that and do something horrendous. I'm not going to, obviously. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a beast. But <laughs> it, it's protecting against something that you can't protect against anyway. Yeah. It, it, this isn't a sudden new issue. It's, it's directly it's, dangerous if we start believing that toilets are safe spaces. Yeah. Like yeah, we usually. always have, as women, we always have to be... Um, on, yeah. like, on watch and on guard sure. and be careful we can't, we, none of us go to a public toilet and just relax like oh yeah. thank god now I don't have to put my keys between my fingers all the time yeah. and yeah. hope to not get attacked like, that's just not how the world works and again it's always safety over comfort so I mean it's that's just how it's just how and I, I got I, I need to give credit where credit's due which is uh, the spook school the, I don't know if you know them the band no. Really cool queer yeah. band. They're so cool. Yeah. Uh, and they did it. They had the gender neutral toilets on their tour because uh, uh, one or two members are non-binary and the rest of them are, are queer. I'm not really sure about the statistics of the band, but they're yeah. really cool, awesome band. Yeah. So they did that on their tour and that's how I got the idea. And then it, great. from that I went, oh, well, you know, anxiety thing. And then it, so that was my last tour was the anxiety and the gender neutral toilets. And then from that, a few people said, what about disabled access? And I was like, well, yeah, I'm a mm-hmm. I'm a jerk. I'm a able-bodied jerk. I hadn't even thought of that, of course. And then this tour, I did that. And then I and at the same time, trying to keep the ticket prices as low as I possibly can, and trying to, um, you know, I have a trigger warning on my new mm-hmm. show, which is a new thing as well, which I didn't. Well, I had never expected a show to necessarily need that, but I didn't think I would make a show that would need a trigger warning, yeah. but. It's and it's just trying to be as, I guess, inclusive or. And again, it's the 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 anyone that would give a backlash of oh it's being over PC over it's like it's not it's small things that are very manageable and not yeah. a big deal to make those and changes also, at all. Then don't buy a ticket like yeah. you're not welcome. I exactly, don't care. exactly. <laughs> it's, it's it's not I'm, something that's a hard thing to change yeah. or these things to do. And again, I, I'm I'm a fan of the trigger warning thing. And again, people will go against that. It's like, no, I think trigger warnings are important because I don't think comedy should be censored, but I think people have genuine issues that, that it's not that they're, Oh, you shouldn't say it. It's like people have been through stuff in their life that Mm. no matter how much they think, Oh, you should still be allowed to joke about that. Whereas like, but they can't be in the room when that's happening because of their personal reactions. That's not, yeah, you're not then being overly again. If if you were to go, I'm removing all. If you had all this material and you removed it all from your set, then maybe I'd say, well, that's a shame because comedy yeah. should be this and comedy should be that. But yeah, and that would have also the use felt... of trigger warnings is yeah. And I and no one's screamed at me. 
you mm. know, I've had a few audience, I think three or four audience members came up to me after the show and said, you know, they liked it, they enjoyed it, and they were being very careful. And they said, ah, oh, I, you know, it, it kind of hit me because mm. my show is about emotional abuse. And they said, oh, I've had some experiences and it kind of rings true. And I would have just loved to know what it was about before I went in. Mm. Like that was it. They, they were not scarred for life and they were, yeah, not, yeah. they were just shaken up a bit in a way yeah. they didn't have to be. Yeah. It was, it's all very calm and, you know, none of this is like a big thing. It's, and sen- it's not censorship. It's no, just. Not at all. And even, I mean, from that, that point of view is again, you, it, it can become an active choice then. It can be an active choice to go, I, I want to go and confront this. I mean, yeah. now I know what's coming. Yeah. I, I can choose to. Yeah. I can choose to or choose not to. And to be know? honest, it works from what I feel. I was a bit nervous because I, because now I've just got pamphlets that I'm handing out. So I need to find out how to get everyone to know about the trigger warning. I put it on Twitter and Facebook. And I was like, oh, there's still... I'm going to have to announce it over the speakers before yeah. I go on stage. And that might ruin it a bit. So I was a bit nervous. But actually, I think it works with the show because people are prepared. So they're yeah. ready to consider the possibility that they might actually laugh at this. Yeah. So yeah. That it works to my advantage even. Yeah. I love it. Well, I'll wrap things up there. Where can people find or keep up to date with all you're doing and get your tour dates and everything else? Uh, my website, sophiehagen.com, and that's mm-hmm. with an Uh Yeah, I'm going on tour of the UK, of Denmark, doing Edinburgh. It's Amazing. all this new show, where well, there's a trigger warning. Yep, yep. <laughs> and the new show's called uh, Dead Baby Frog. And then I'm on Twitter, at Sophie Hagen, Instagram, at Sophie Hagen DK for Denmark. And, uh, yeah, Facebook, Sophie Hagen. Yes, Sophie Hagen. and I'm, I'm on your podcast oh, as yeah, well. Oh, yeah, my podcast, so both my podcast on... is called Made of Human Podcast. Yes. <laughs> and you've had some, some, some great guests on there with Josie Long and Catherine Ryan. Oh, Joe and Brand. And Joe uh, Brand, yeah. Deal. I had Doug Brown as well. Yeah, you yeah. also had, yeah. It's fantastic. People. So, well, thank you very much. It's been great thank you. chatting. For I mean, for everyone who's listening to ch- 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 just this an hour or so, but we've been going for two, yeah. two and a half hours now. So, <laughs> thank you very much for, for the time. Thank, thank you so much for having me. There we go. What a wonderful conversation and wonderful human. If you enjoy, I genuinely, I really enjoyed doing Sophie's podcast beforehand. So if you did enjoy this and you're you're looking for more audio, then go and check that out. I reckon. Um, made of human it's available on itunes and acast and everywhere else i believe so yeah thank you for tuning in guys i'll be back next week oh what episode have i got next week i think next week i've got the ben and jerry's special yeah you heard that right so (laughs) um long story short i got invited a little while ago to, to ben and jerry's headquarters in the uk it's a barn um and i went there and ate ice cream and chatted to them and they showed me around and it was awesome and I said this would be a cool podcast to talk to to some of you guys about ice cream um, and about <laughs> some of their campaigns because um, they they do a lot of charity type stuff. And they were like, yeah, yeah well, we're up for that. So we agreed to do it. I should tell you now, it's going to sound like an advert, even though it's not an advert. I promise you, no one has paid me to do this episode, 
But if you, if you follow me on social media or know me in real life, you'll know I'm me and DJ Yoda, in fact, are obsessed with Ben and Jerry's. If a new flavour comes out, we'll be messaging each other all excited. So this is genuinely, I just got the opportunity to do this. I was like, this will be awesome. So yeah, that's coming out. <laughs> it's coming out next week. I'm so ready for people to be like, I can't believe you did one that's just an advert. I've not recorded it yet, so I don't know if it, it will come across as an advert but i know i get really excited when talking about ice cream it's pizza and ice cream for me i could talk about either of them for ages with great excitement to the extent that people think it's an advert and it's not an advert um but yeah that's what's going to happen so i'm looking forward to that uh so yeah check that out next week um after that i've already recorded an excellent episode with ashlyn b um so yeah really good guests flowing i'm taking my podcasting gear up to edinburgh with me so i'm going to try and record a few podcasts up there um so yeah hopefully there'll be even more exciting things in the pipeline thank you for tuning in guys um this has been the distraction pieces podcast episode 164 was that right i've said that about 10 times yeah 164 i'll see you all next week ta-ta